and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It is a tremendous episode 76. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by none other than Mr. Mark Pearson-Freeland. Good morning, Mr. Mark. Good morning, Mr. Mike. It is a fantastic autumnal, sunny, bright day in Sydney, isn't it? And we, Mark, we are about to cast some super sunshine onto our creative minds. Tell us, where do we go on this adventure in learning from innovators? Well, learning, continuing our learning with Mr. Adam Grant, this week we're going to be diving into his book, Originals, How Nonconformists Move the World, which is a fantastic book. And it, it's, it's so interesting to dive into the wealth of insights and, and actually tips, productive and proactive tips to uh, work and build new ideas, uh, challenge ourselves, buck against uh, out dated traditions, as he says. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a fascinating, large book, full of great things. What did you think of it? Well, Mike? yeah, I, I think we're going to shatter some myths today. Yeah. But what's so nice about what we've got in this second installment of the Adam Grant series is something that is both inspirational and insanely practical. If you want to think originally, if you want to have great ideas um, he is going to disrupt us uh, over this next hour. He's going to give us a ton of not only practical um, practical tips, but he's gonna he's gonna open us up to thinking different about thinking. But before we go there, Mark, we're almost at the hundred reviews and ratings, Mark. The podcast is flying all around the planet uh, these days. What I want to ask all of our listeners to do is to jump into their little podcast app and give us a rating. Even better, if you can, if you've got the time, give us a review because this is how other people discover our show and how they can enjoy the journey of learning from innovators. But Mark, that's not the only thing we would like all of our listeners to do. We would love all of our listeners to go and check out a humble little place online called moonshots.io. That is our our house or our observatory as we do. Mm-hmm. As we stare mm-hmm. at the moon and all the innovators around us. This is where we house everything from upcoming episodes, our archive of 75 so far, and all of the show notes and great links to additional documents like the Netflix culture deck for when we were talking about Reed Hastings, for example. Yes, yes. There is a plethora of information online. And we'd love everybody to go and check it out. Exactly. You can dig up any of the past shows, all the great show notes, all of the things, the tools, the inspiration, the practical tips to become just a bit more like some of these amazing people like Reed Hastings, Michelle Obama. But today we dive into the second installment of Adam Grant and we are diving into his thinking around his book Originals. and. We are going to set you up right now for one of his most disruptive ideas when he thinks and considers the question, who can be an original thinker? 
I, I think a lot of us assume that original thinkers are just a separate class of people, right? They're the, the Steve Jobses of technology. They're the people we admire as just cut from a different cloth than the rest of us. So they might be entrepreneurs or scientists or artists, but they're, they're visionaries, right? They were born that way. That's a great idea with one tiny wrinkle. It isn't true. So it turns out that anyone can become more original, right? Originality is not a fixed trait. It's a free choice. And it's a choice we make anytime we say, look, there's a default way of doing things, and then start to question whether that default makes sense. Right? One of the most dangerous sentences in the English language is, this is the way we've always done things. And we can all be original if we just question that right? and say, maybe the way that we've always done things doesn't make sense or doesn't make sense anymore or is not the most effective or worthwhile way to do this. And so, you know, I really see this course as being about helping anyone who's interested in solving problems in the world figure out how to bring more creativity and more change to those problems. It's a free choice. I love that. There's a, this is a really central to the idea, I think, of... of Adam's book, Originals, it's all about challenging this default, mm -hmm. or perhaps not necessarily challenging intentionally, but not accepting the default. So to be an original, and again, we'll come on to lots and lots of great clips today as we go through the episode. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's a pretty central pin within defining yourself as an original thinker. You aren't just going along with the default setting, whether it's, you know, uh, pre-installed software, web browsers, and so on or not, you're making that choice yourself. You're making that choice mm. at any time. And you're choosing to look at a, a challenge or a thing in your life or things around us and think, okay, well, maybe it could be better. I couldn't agree more, Mark. The, the, the inspiration that lies in this advice is Adam Grant is saying, you have the choice, you have the mindset and the capability of questioning the status quo, of challenging the status quo. And original thinking and great ideas come from the first step, which is to ask, why should that be? That kind of sucks. And what's so beautiful about this is if you look specifically at people that we've had on this show, there are many people who have actually challenged the status quo with original thinking. I mean, Elon Musk is the easy one. But actually, if you step back, and even if you look at Richard Branson, he looks at solutions, whether it's music, travel, banks, and says, well, this kind of sucks. Why should it be like that? And he goes around asking why. And I think that if we can truly embody this idea that it is a choice to think differently, it is a choice to think originally, everything's on the table. Everything's up for discussion. And what's interesting is his story in this clip was, was reminding us that we have the permission to do it because we forget. We just accept the status quo. We forget to challenge it. For years and years and years, everybody accepted crappy cab services all around the world, maybe with the exception of London, and then Uber came along. Mm. You know, bookstores were selling books for hundreds of years, and then someone came along and said, let's do it differently and created Amazon. <laughs> I think... How inspiring is Adam's thought? I think it challenges us to go out and to challenge the world, to question the world. And I think this is the start of a great journey. He's, he's saying to us, go out and be curious. Ask why. I think this is so good for those 
of us that are listening to this and need a little bit of a an espresso shot, <laughs> need a little bit of a turbocharge to go out there and ask why, I think here is the inspiration. I, I totally agree. And, you know, choice is, as you say, it's empowering, you know, to know that you don't just have to have to accept not being an original thinker. You know, it's very, very easy to think, oh, well, this genius is reserved for people like Branson or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. Right. They're the original, not me. I'm just doing my job day to day. But actually, when I start to think, hey, no, but if I've got the choice to go and be an original thinker, I suddenly feel empowered and, and actually more confident to maybe go and try things that I haven't done before. Maybe look at right. challenges in a different way. I think it's, I think it's great. That's the perf- that is the perfect thought to get us to this next clip, Mark, because in this next clip, what he effectively is doing is saying, okay, all right, so you, you know you want to think differently. Don't for a minute think that this is a question of having one idea and that's the one. In fact, he's got quite a contrarian thought built out of lots and lots of research, which really, really sets us up for the following idea. It's not about the quality. It's about the quantity. I always thought that like the great originals in history, creative musicians, artists, scientists, and more recently business thinkers and leaders, I thought what they did was they had a couple of big ideas and then they refined them to perfection. And the data tell the opposite story, that the great originals throughout history did not actually have few ideas. They had tons of them and way more than most of their peers. So if you look at musicians, for example, Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, their average hit rate is not any higher than many composers you've never heard of. What differentiates them is they just came up with a lot more ideas. So 600 over 1,000 in a couple of those cases. And the reason for that is you have to generate a lot of variety to be original. And if you just come up with a few ideas, your first few are usually the most obvious. You've got to rule out the familiar in order to get to the novel. But most people never do that. They fall in love with their first idea. Or they end up just questioning whether they have the ability to come up with more ideas. And so I think one of the things we need to be doing more often as leaders is encouraging people to generate lots and lots of ideas, knowing that you're going to spew out a lot of garbage in order to get greatness. Oof. (laughs) Such a challenging idea. It's really, really challenging what we all accept nowadays as the norm. You know, quality is really what we're all striving for. We're striving Mm. rather than, you know, wasting our time creating lots of ideas. We should actually focus on one business product or concept and refine it, work on it, tweak it and so on. But actually what Adam's saying here is the opposite, which is go like crazy make as much as you can, prototype and create as much as your hands can do. And then gradually you'll get out the, the, the weaker ones initially. Yeah. And then you'll find that perfect product down the line once you've iterated and, 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 and prototyped a lot of ideas. I, I, I think that's great. I totally relate to that. Like, don't you find that when you're sitting down and doing some sort of brainstorming and creative thinking exercise, the first few ideas are always, let's be honest, they're kind of warm-up acts. <laughs> yeah. But what happens is you get a ton up on the board and then you start saying, oh, there's a sort of a pattern to the ones that you're drawn to and you start combining and remixing them 
And it's not only, it's not until you've like warmed up for 20 minutes, then the really profound insights uh, start to come and the ideas because you're embodied in it. And so he's like saying, go for, go for a lot of ideas. But what, what he suggested there that I really want to pull out is he's telling us to try a lot of different ideas, not just conceptual ideas, but actually make them happen. Because in the book, he referenced, you know, great artists and musicians. You'll actually find that it's the most prolific ones are the most successful. He, he uses Picasso as an example where what you don't realize about Picasso is he had one, over 1,800 paintings, over 2,800 ceramics, and 1,200 sculptures. And wait for this. This is not a fudge. 12,000 drawings. <laughs> Talk about a production machine. <laughs> Be prolific in your ideas and your work. And if in the first clip he was giving us permission to think differently, I feel like the takeout for us, Mark, he was giving us permission to fail. Try. Don't be so precious with your ideas. Otherwise, the idea is going to sit in a cupboard somewhere and you'll go in and you'll polish it a bit and then put it away. He's, I think he's celebrating this idea of get it out there, fail fast, learn fast be prolific and then the mastery or, you know, if we talk about ideas, the big idea will come. So if you think about where you're at, Mark, do you feel like your biggest blocker is the permission to challenge the status quo or is your biggest challenge uh, to be prolific? Mm, I think for me, my biggest challenge is accepting this permission to uh, challenge the the norm, mm. you know, so to to have this permission to uh, go against maybe what I assume would be the right answer, mm. um, perhaps wedded in this idea of coming up with the key idea first. Uh, you know, I have a tendency to to try and deliver things almost as quickly as I can, and then ref- perhaps reflect backwards and think, oh, but was that the best it could be. So I, right. I, I feel as though I'm maybe towing the line of what Adam's trying to say. But my problem for me is that then I would deliver maybe those first couple of ideas that Adam's saying aren't going to be the strongest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the way I, I process that, Mark, is my experience is that my best ideas are those uh, where I just spew a lot out but also to your point there, take some time with them. Mm. Don't, don't, don't rush them because your first idea is often not your best. And I, I think this is starting to create a framework for, for us because he's saying, yes, go for it, challenge the status quo. And don't be too precious when you do it. Just have a, have a whole bunch of, of ideas and really blitz it. And I think with those two in mind, you can feel that you've got now got a body of work to judge, to question, to evaluate. You've got a ton of ideas on the board then, and that's already a breakthrough for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So bearing in mind those two you know, approaches, I think the next clip that we're going to listen to is Adam suggesting to us, if you are with the right mindset, 
cultivating this behavior within the business and you've got people thinking in the right way, they've got the permission to challenge and the permission to essentially fail, how do they then be able to judge the ideas that are created eventually in a good, non-subjective way? So Harry Potter got rejected by publishers because it was too long. Who would read a children's book that was hundreds and hundreds of pages? But that's not the right way to evaluate an original idea. What you want to do is ask, is this going to appeal to the audience? As opposed to, is this similar to what's come before? So who do you turn to if you can't trust yourself and you can't rely on your managers who tend to be a little bit risk averse? Peers, fellow creators. There's an amazing study by Justin Berg, a Stanford professor, who looks at circus performances. Think Cirque du Soleil. So he collects all these original acts done by different kinds of circus artists, jugglers, dancers, acrobats. And he asked people to evaluate their own performances. And then he asked managers to evaluate them as well. And then he has performers judge each other's videos. And sure enough, people are horrible at judging their own. The uh, managers tend to be way too close to the most novel acts. And the best forecasters are the performers judging each other's performances. What we need to do to become better at judging ideas is we need to teach ourselves to think more like creators. So the way that Justin does this is he has people generate a few ideas of their own right before they evaluate somebody else's ideas. And being in that mindset of generating new possibilities and thinking creatively actually increases your openness to novel performances. Ooh, yeah. So I think what I take from this, Mark, is that feeling of don't always go to your manager, to your boss with your ideas, but first seek out feedback from people that are in your environment, your peers, as being uh, really good, not only uh, givers and providers of feedback, but I think they can help you make your idea go from good to great. So then you can take it in a much more complete and in a much more solid fashion to all of those key stakeholders that you, you need to go to. And I think when I, when I process this, what I witness a lot is people actually reluctant to, to share their ideas. The classic one for me is people saying, I'm not going to tell you my idea unless you sign an NDA. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's got any experience at all knows that you can have a million ideas and share them, but it's all about executing a business idea. And if you are truly sensing and feeling how to build a business, then the more people you get excited about your idea, the more fortune that comes your way. And so I, I think this third step is seek out contribution and feedback from those around you. Don't hoard your idea. Don't be guarding it jealously. What did you get out of this idea of finding the right peers uh, to, to help build your ideas, Mark? Well, you know, similar to the, the last two clips, we're saying the first one was this sort of permission to challenge. Second one was, you know, Adam telling us there is, you have the permission to fail. Like you say, with this one, it's the permission to go and seek um, collaborate co-creators and collaborators to help you further the idea. For me, I love to get to a point with a product or a project and then try to take somebody through it because I believe that by, and, and this is especially true actually I find when I have a challenge and by challenge, I'm referring to a problem, a blocker. Mm. Once I raise that blocker, 
or once I try to describe my personal issue with it, the personal you know challenge or grating or, or abrasion with it, I sometimes find that I figure out the answer as I'm describing the problem. Oh yeah. Do you are, know- you, are you are you saying that experiences as you're actually sharing the idea? It actually ideas start coming to literally as you're talking. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So as yeah. soon as you uh, engage those parts of your brain and try to eloquently describe your idea, or perhaps it's the challenge, like I say, in a in a funny sort of way, your brain kicks into overdrive and it almost answers that question or that challenge as you are describing it. Once your brain is starting to put that jigsaw together, so I'm trying to tell you the idea suddenly it clicks and I can see the big wider picture. <laughs> mm, and that's, that's where I, I see the real value in, in what Adam's saying here, which is get your peers to weigh in. They'll help you judge that idea without uh, your own pers- personal subjective opinion um, spoiling it. You know, they have fresh eyes. There's another favorite. Yeah. I love that. A fresh set of eyes on your idea. And um, we're sort of, you know, really now starting to build some of those foundational uh, basics in in how we can how we can really give ourselves permission to think originally, and knowing that it it takes time, it takes effort, it takes collaboration, it takes volume, yeah. <laughs> it takes a real lot of volume. Um, and the interesting thing when I think about this is that. Um, giving your permission just to let any idea come out, it almost blows off the cobwebs and then you can just produce. And then pretty soon you you build a rhythm of your ideas as you type them or write them or sketch them. And then go take the best ones uh, to your peers and get their feedback and, and see that as a building exercise to go forward again. Mm. I, I, I really... I think we've we've uh, pat on the back to ourselves. I really like the flow that we've got here. It's almost like we're really going through a step by step guide to get the very best of Adam Grant's mm-hmm. thinking from from originals. But Mark, before we go into the second half of the show, I mean, we've got to uh, we've got to say a big thank you to all the people that have uh, been reviewing uh, the show. Um, we really do uh, appreciate it. We also want to give a big shout out because we've popped up um, in uh, all sorts of different wonderful places in the world. Um, so just check out this, Mark. We've popped up um, in the in. We're looking at the top hundred charts on on Chartable, and we've popped in uh, on uh, the the top charts for the Netherlands for entrepreneurship, Austria. Uh, South Africa, we're new in Hungary, the UAE. I mean, how cool is this, Mark? I mean, who would have thought uh, that learning from innovators would be a message that people all around the world are keen to hear, to understand, to help make the very best version of themselves? It's super inspiring, isn't it? It is. It's it's so inspiring when we sit back and we can see this, this growth and this listenership of all of you listeners uh, checking out what we're recording every week. And it's fantastic when we start to see that reflected in charts and appearances and so on, because it just shows that it is a global conversation. There is a dialogue, even though 
we're recording into our mics, there is this dialogue and this desire around the world to learn from these inspiring individuals and innovators. You know, that's we certainly get a kick out of it. <laughs> and we're certainly glad that all of our listeners are too, which is fantastic. So I've got a bit of an idea to pitch to you, Mark. Before we go out and do uh, a three-part series on Gary Vanderchuk, I'm thinking if we want to think about mindsets and what we can learn from innovators, I want to throw out this question to you and our audience about doing a special episode on Michael Jordan, one of the greatest athletes to ever live, because what has been crazy as I've enjoyed The Last Dance, what it's really reminded me of is that more than anything, it was his mindset uh, that made him so great. And I think there's a lot to learn there. So I wonder, Mark, what do you think and what do you, our listeners, think? Do you want to, uh, Mark and I to dive into the world of Michael Jordan? Uh, because there's a lot there. But, Mark, uh, have you got your Nikes on? Would you be ready to dive into Michael Jordan? What do you think? I do have my Nikes on, actually. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I think I, I've, I'm fully behind this idea because it just proves that you don't have to be wedded in business to be an innovator. That's the, right. whole, the whole of Moonshots, we've covered so many individuals over the, over the last couple of years. Lady Gaga, you know, a lot of people in the music space. We've covered a lot of people in uh, investors and business and so on. But I'd love to actually go and explore Michael Jordan and what he has to say, the, the mindset and the discipline that keeps... Uh, that kept him going for so long in the Chicago Bulls mm. and all of his professional career. It is a source of inspiration. Mm. It, re it really is. So I want you, our listeners, send us a, an email. Mark, what is our famous Moonshots email address? Hello at moonshots.io. Tell us what you think. Michael Jordan show, yes or no. If we get enough positive feedback from you, our listeners, we will do a quick segue before we get to Gary V and go deep into the world of Michael Jordan. Let's get it on. Fantastic. Okay. We got three more clips and now we're going to get into the finessing, the, the, some of the fine tuning you can do if you build on those first three ideas of you've got permission to think differently, have lots of ideas, seek the feedback of your peers, now we're going to go into some of the finer points of original thinking. So let's have a listen to Adam Grant talking about how procrastination can play a role in original thinking. There's a very fine line between creative procrastination and laziness. And I think the biggest difference is about why you're putting off or delaying your work. So if you're putting off work because it's really difficult and unpleasant and there are many other things that you would enjoy doing, that's rarely productive. When procrastination is productive, though, is when you say, I'm working on something and it's hard and I haven't figured it out yet and I need some time to incubate. And then you're focusing on other things that I hope you're doing productively. And then when you come back to the problem you're trying to solve creatively, you may have some new ideas. I think the other big difference here is if you think about start times and finish times on tasks, what I've noticed over and over again in the data that colleagues and I have collected is that um, great original thinkers are often quick to start but slow to finish. 
So they, they dive into a problem early, they're excited to make progress on it, but they don't rush to complete it because they know that oftentimes the best ideas will come later when they've really had some time to reflect. And so I would say that one good strategy to follow is to try to make a bunch of progress early. And then I actually do this when I write. Um, I will send a first draft of an article or a book chapter to somebody who I know is really slow in giving feedback. And so then I have to wait three weeks or so. And by the time I get the feedback, I have a, a ton of new perspectives and I end up rewriting much of it anyway, even if the feedback didn't tell me to. So um, delaying the completion of tasks is a great way to make procrastination a little more productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is such a thing as being a creative procrastinator. Uh, and I, I do find that people who procrastinate sometimes are more likely to have original ideas than people who do everything early or everything at the last minute. There's a, there's a very effective, productive middle ground. <laughs> so Adam, once again, challenging the norm. And the best bit is he has the data to back him up. <laughs> yeah. And isn't this fascinating that him, Brene Brown, Cal Newport, Jim Collins, they are all so crisp in their thinking. Their thinking is original because they do the work on the data. Just, I mean, that's a total aside that just struck me there. But Mark, he's telling you, start the work, start the idea early. I think that is super powerful, don't you? Well, isn't it great? I mean, it reinforces the old childhood behavior of when you're sitting in front of an exam, you read all of the questions first, you mm-hmm. read everything. You don't just, take a breath. Mm-hmm. exactly. You take a breath because actually, and it, this is true, whether it's, it's maths, healthcare, whatever. I know plenty of people who have done it in their lives. When you come back to a problem that you've already read, sometimes it, your brain's had time to sort of percolate process. and process yeah. and it's come up with the answer. So you know, building on what Adam was teaching us earlier about pushing hard early, getting all the, all the you know, half-baked ideas out of the way early <laughs> <laughs> and then reinforcing it here by saying make that early progress and evolve based on what you've, I guess, learned up to that point. And don't be afraid to have that moment of letting it you know, uh, sit around and stir inside your brain. You know, I like this creative procrastination idea of taking stock, coming back to it, maybe even sleeping on it. We've discussed that before on the show. I I, th- I get quite a lot from Adam here. What, what are you thinking, Mike? So I, I'm just trying to think of how this relates to some of my practices because I've had this same discovery, Mark. Like, for example, if I need to produce a big strategic recommendation to a client, if I need to make a masterclass, if I need to write a really deep extensive case study um, on an innovative company, um, I'm very conscious of what I call the one-week rule. If the piece of work is due in one week, I need to be able to write some sort of outline a week before the deadline. And what you'll remember is, and you'll have experienced even recently, I will actually share with you an outline of what I'm thinking. And it may be 10 bullet points. It's sort of just a flow of my idea or my argument. Um, And it's sort of a rough model. But if I make that breakthrough a week before it's due, that gives me enough time 
to kind of let things stew and I can fill out those ideas. And the crazy thing is usually that outline is about 80% what ends up being the outline in the final product. But the real difference is all of the, the depth and the rigor fills out beautifully because I just had time. And um, what's really interesting is when I don't have that time, I always feel um, less confident in what I've written or produced because if I only started working on it two days before it was due, invariably I feel like it's a bit rushed. The quality of the thinking is a bit rushed. I mean, how do you relate to it when he says, you know, start early? I mean, that's how I do it. How, how do you think about this starting early? I, I like to start early because my brain is still engaged in that camp. You know, if I'm, if I'm distilling your process, which you're right, I, I've experienced many times, what you create is a foundation or a skeleton based on that information, that meeting, that telephone video conference, whatever it might be. And what I like about the process here that we're discussing is once you've got that skeleton, it's a lot easier to fatten it up, to add the, the muscle and, the, and the, the fat and the flesh around it as it's had time to, to exist. You've had time to reflect on data, on the market, on the client themselves. And actually it can only get better because you've already got that foundation, which is providing the, the grounding of what you're going to build upon. So for me, I like to get everything. I like to do a bit of a brain dump after I've spoken to a client, after I've done, let's say, a week of research. We're doing some in-market research right now with one of our clients. And at the end of each week or at the end of each milestone, I'll make sure to scribble everything that's in my head down on paper. So then when I go into the next week or so, I haven't forgotten anything, you know, fundamentally. I think when there's a lot of plates spinning, you have the danger of dropping some. So I like to ensure that I know myself, I'm not going to drop anything because I have written things down and I've had that skeleton existing somewhere and it can only be mm. on it. Mm. It's so true. The, the, if I was to... Uh, implore you and all of our listeners, I cannot tell you when how important it is for, for me to have that time to work on an idea. And I really feel like um, when, you know, when people come to us and say, oh, listen, we need this in, in uh, an unfairly like short timeline, my, my gut reaction is I just know that the idea and the thinking and the work will just not be as good as it could be if I don't follow the one week rule. And so I hope that for all of our listeners, if they know, if you know you've got to deliver something, don't start it the day before because before you know it, you're chasing, you're just chasing, but you, you're just not doing a service to all of your potential creativity if you just don't give yourself time to think, to wonder, and to be curious. And a big part of that finessing is tinkering and actually we've got this great clip uh, from uh, Adam Grant that really speaks to curiosity. So let's have a listen to Adam Grant talking about fortune favoring the curious. 
One of the most common phrases I hear from entrepreneurs is, it's too late, I'm too old. I should have started my business a long time ago and you know, I'm just, I'm not a young kid anymore. I can't do it. And I love to come back and say, actually, if you look at the data, you are completely wrong on this. The average patent applicant is 47. The most valuable patents often come from people who are over 55. The way that we sustain our creativity over time is not through all of a sudden having a vision and then immediately knowing what to do with it. It's through tinkering, experimenting, going down rabbit holes and trying ideas that we never would have considered before. If you think about it, right, a lot of creativity comes from moments that are the opposite of deja vu. There's actually a name for them. They're called vujade. Vujade is that, that feeling that we all love, where you look at something you've seen many times before, but suddenly you recognize it with fresh eyes. And we all need to have more of those. And the easiest way to have them is to immerse yourself in a new domain. Even the hobbies you pick up can really matter. So if you look at Nobel Prize winning scientists, you will find that Nobel Prize winners are significantly more likely to have artistic hobbies than their peers. And those seem to play a role in breakthrough insights and innovations. And Galileo, first astronomer to spot mountains on the moon, but not the first astronomer to look through a telescope and see those exact images. He was just the first one to recognize them. Why? He was trained in a drawing technique that involved the use of shading to represent changes in elevation. And when he saw different dark and light spots on the moon, he realized those had to be mountains. So just pursuing a hobby that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone can often give you a new lens for seeing. And that can help you become more creative however old you are. Woo! I genuinely feel like I, I want to go and run around the office after after hearing that little clip. Don't you feel like you just want to get like a, a T-shirt with Vujade spraying across the, the top? I think Adam's like totally into a bit of Vujade, but... Mark, how crazy was that Galileo story? Uh, it's again, what I love about Adam is all of these great stories are backed up by data, you know, and, and yeah. the key thing I'm really getting, especially from that clip then, is actually, and the reason why I want to run around the office, it, it kind of feels like relief. I think when you're surrounded by culture and media and incredible innovators like Elon Musk and Zuckerberg, all these individuals who have cracked things and, you know, they are mind-blowingly well-known around the world. You almost think, ah, I'm too old for it now. I'm 32. You know, what have I done? And actually, <laughs> what's nice, and don't worry, I don't feel like that much <laughs> for the listeners who do. And what's nice about Adam is he's saying, look, the most valuable patterns that people have had are often when you're over 55 years old because you've right. spent that time becoming an expert in in your in your uh, particular field perhaps but also you've had time to experiment but also pick up hobbies and that totally. for me is the is the really inspiring bit and and it's just fun you know it reminds us that yes you can pick up hobbies if you feel like you want that bit of variety but what adam's proving here again, through data, is the best way to, you know, cultivate this, this successful uh, gene, shall we say, is by experimenting and seeing things with fresh eyes, Vujade. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a reminder that, you know, this classic concept of the Renaissance man, the Renaissance woman, who is both full and complete in arts and sciences are those that um, will thrive the most because they have such a rich 
set of experiences and mental models to draw upon in order to apply to any problem. And um, I just I just find it really uh, inspiring to think that you know the average Nobel Prize winner is um, like thirty percent more likely to to have a musical and artistic pursuit. I mean, there are all of these real data points that prove to you that you know this crazy uh, you know original thinking is really sourced from folks that are tinkering and experimenting both in and outside of the problem area that they're putting their attention to. And um, it, it really um, is a reminder not to sit here and think, oh, I'd really like to try sculpture, um, uh, drawing, um, music, singing, yoga, whatever it is. Don't just think it. Go out and do it. I think that's the call to action, isn't it? Oh, 100%. It's not just um, go and try because you want to. Instead, I think what Adam's saying is go out and try because there is an innate benefit in every aspect of your life. And if anybody is listening and thinking, oh, yeah, I really should go and pick up that life drawing class, now's the time to go and do it. Mm. Adam's telling Mm. us, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it gets us uh, to uh, what I'm going to... uh, label as the most caffeinated clip that we have from Adam Grant. He, this final clip is him on an absolute tear. And the reason that we've left this one to last is this is him in his most positive uh, mindset possible, but he's totally energized. And what he's going to do in this last and final clip is really piece together his whole idea around original thinking. And this is the chance for everybody listening to the show to sit back and to really take in what he has to give us because in a knowledge economy, ideas are everything. And he is giving us the chance to be original thinkers, to be agents of change. So let's get into the final clip, the very last clip of Adam Grant. I've been studying people that I come to call originals. Originals are nonconformists, people who not only have new ideas, but take action to champion them. I want to show you today three things I've learned about recognizing originals and becoming a little bit more like them. I had a student named Jihei who came to me and said, I have my most creative ideas when I'm procrastinating. So I challenged her to get some data. She goes into a bunch of companies. She has people to fill out surveys about how often they procrastinate. Then she gets their bosses to rate how creative and innovative they are. Here are our results. You actually do see that the people who wait till the last minute don't have any new ideas. And on the flip side, the people who race in are in such a frenzy of anxiety that they don't have original thoughts either. There's a sweet spot where originals seem to live. Why is this? To find out, we ask people to generate new business ideas, and some of them are asked to do the task right away. Others we randomly assign to procrastinate by dangling Minesweeper in front of them for either five or 10 minutes. The moderate procrastinators are 16% more creative than the other two groups. Procrastination gives you time to consider divergent ideas. A lot of great originals in history were procrastinators. What about Martin Luther King Jr.? He's sitting in the audience waiting for his turn to go on stage, and he is still scribbling notes and crossing out lines. What you see with a lot of great originals is that they are quick to start 
but they're slow to finish. Look at Google, waiting for years after AltaVista and Yahoo. Look at Facebook, waiting to build a social network until after MySpace. To be original, you don't have to be first. You just have to be different and better. A lot of original people look confident, but behind the scenes, they feel the same fear and doubt that the rest of us do. They just manage it differently. This is a depiction of how the creative process works for most of us. The key to being original, instead of saying, I'm crap, you say, I'm just not there yet. Vuja day is when you look at something you've seen many times before and all of a sudden see it with fresh eyes. It's a screenwriter who looks at a movie script that can't get the green light for more than half a century. Jennifer Lee rewrites the first act, reinvents the villain as a tortured hero, and Frozen becomes the most successful animated movie ever. When you feel doubt, don't let it go. The things we wish we could redo if you look at the science are the chances not taken. Elon Musk told me recently he didn't expect Tesla to succeed, but it was too important not to try. The greatest originals are the ones who fail the most, because they're the ones who try the most. Take classical composers, the best of the best. Why do some of them get more pages in encyclopedias than others? One of the best predictors is the sheer volume of compositions that they generate. The more output you churn out, the more variety you get, and the better your chances of stumbling on something truly original. If we want to be more original, we have to generate more ideas. Look, being original is not easy, but I have no doubt about this. It's the best way to improve the world around us. Thank you. Whew, and thank you, Adam Grant. You're right. <laughs> oh, what, a, what a caffeinated clip, but it's so meaty. So, yeah. It was like he was sitting there and he says, I'll just summarize the whole book for Mark and Mark <laughs> just so that the show wraps really strong. We could have done an entire episode around that one clip, actually. Oh, my gosh. But for, for me, you know, we've talked about some of the platform that he created at the beginning of the show with you've got permission to think differently, have lots of ideas, seek out your peers. Um, and then we had some refinements, um, you know, take your time, start early, tinker away. But for me, I really love this idea of in that clip, he gave a, just a, a little nudge to an idea of you don't have to be the first, just better. And I think that's really, really powerful that often there are lots of ideas. There were lots of attempts at doing Facebook before Facebook happened. Um, so Apple is the king of, of not being first, but just being better. Um, and I think we can see this pattern all around us. Um, Mark, let me ask and let me challenge you. What was the biggest surprise, the biggest, as we've put the show together and recorded it together, what's the one thing that you're like, this is really new for me? Well, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I'm, I'm going to struggle to choose just one. You know, I, I was scribbling as we were listening to that last clip and, you know, like I say, we could have made an entire episode around that because it <laughs> just references so many mm. examples of this original thinking existing, this Day approach being intrinsic throughout everybody from Martin Luther King via Picasso all the way through to Frozen. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a wonderful idea. But for me, if I had to sum it into one thought, I think it's uh, bulk or sorry, buck any um, traditions or defaults that you naturally mm -hmm. fall into. Don't, for me, I'm going to challenge myself rather than just accept things as, as default, accept things as, oh, this is just the way it could go. Instead, mm -hmm. I'll think, okay, well, how about, how about this way? 
and then I'll let it percolate, let it sit yes. a little bit. Then I'll come back to it and revisit it and just take time with those ideas. Um, because I think that's where this, as he says in that last clip, the 16% more creative is when you find that sweet spot <laughs> yes. between procrastination yes. and, and acting fast, which I love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you to you, Mark, because you've, you've really summarized for yourself the biggest takeout, which, which is he's giving you permission to challenge the status quo. And for all of our listeners, whether you like the idea of lots of ideas or seeking feedback from your peers or tinkering or starting early, Whatever resonated for you, just go to moonshots.io and you can find all the show notes. You can listen to the show again. You can listen to the back catalog and you can immerse yourself in a world of innovators and learn all of their tips, tricks, habits, all their mindsets uh, to getting the most out of themselves and having impact in the world. Mark, I feel turbocharged. I don't need any more espresso. How about you? <laughs> I, I'm going to go and find uh, Adam Grant and have whatever he's been drinking. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm positively enlivened after after this episode. Adam, Adam's been yeah. one. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> so we're all turbocharged here at the Moonshots Podcast. We hope you, our listeners, all over the world, we're so grateful for your emails, for all your love on social, for all your reviews and ratings. Make sure you hit moonshots.io to give us any feedback that you want. Uh, it's been great having you, Mark. It's been great to share Adam Grant, our second part of the series, with all of our listeners. We've got one more left, so stay tuned. But for now, that's the Moonshot Podcast, and that's a wrap. <laughs>